welcome to the Australian Cycling Insider podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Panager and I am very lucky to be joined on this occasion by Tom Bolton of Oliver's Real Food Racing. G'day, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, Jamie. I'm good. Thanks. And Georgia Whitehouse of Sydney Uni Staminade. Hi. Good to be back. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, George. Uh, Georgie, you've been uh, you've been part of the podcast before. For most NRS viewers, you'd have come to our attention back with your stage win at the Tour of King Valley. Oh, was that 2016, 2017? You're gonna have to help me out there, Georgie. Oh, yeah, I think that was 2017. <laughs> Feels like forever ago. Well, we'll we'll, we'll pump it up a bit, though. I mean, you beat Beck Wysak, you beat Kimberly Wells. Um, Oh, Ashley Ann Kudinoff was on your team, I think, in the, in that sprint. But um, nonetheless, you went off the front and did a one that flyer to win that to win that stage. There, I mean, we're going back in time now, but um, it's still nice memories. Oh, it's yeah, it's a great memory, and that was my first ever NRS, and uh, yeah, it was a great way to start it off. Tom is from Ola's Real Field Racing and is lovely guy, very good sprinter. He's been cleaning up at uh, Heffron Park recently and in the Sydney crit scene. Um, I actually know his dad quite well. He was he was actually very influential for me, um, Simon, when um, I got down to starting my career as a cycling journalist. I sat down with Simon and talked talked through what I was going to do. So, um, Tom, <laughs> you're you're a very much a, a welcome member of this uh, of the podcast now. Oh yeah, well, thanks for having me. I remember my dad uh, mentioning that he he'd been speaking to you a couple of years ago now, um, and you were getting into it, and yeah. That's no, awesome to be here. Well, um, we'll go we'll go easy on you then, Tom. Um, <laughs> and uh, not 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 that we need to though. I mean, you guys have had two stage wins um, in uh, in the last two stages. Um, what's the feeling like within the team at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially after the last two days, the morale's super high. Yeah, I mean, we all came here. It's been it's been a weird year for everyone, and it's been such a long time between to a level of racing and being away with the team, like forgetting who's on the team even this year and who's on different teams and things. Um, so just being here and being all together, um, it's pretty awesome. And, yeah, we couldn't really have asked for a better start. I did that today, actually, um, the forgetting of who's on your team and who's not. I was interviewing uh, Ryan Schilt uh, for the pre-race grab to go up on uh, the NRS social account. And um, I was like, oh, I I was, I was remembering him as an Oliver's rider because we shall jump pretty much straight into the racing because we have to get through a bunch of it. There's been six days of competition at the National Road Series National Tour, which is an awful name for a race, but I prefer to call it the National Road Series Championships or something because that kind of brings out the more the one-day nature of all the events that we've got happening and each race in itself is like a significant prize. Going to the first day, it was a time trial around Pottsville Beach there. It was a 15-kilometre time trial taken out in the women's by Sarah Gigante from uh, Danielle Di Francesco in Specialised Women's Racing and Nicole Frayne. Um, a further five seconds back, Sarah, Sarah had 38 seconds to um, Danielle there. Georgie, you, you did a fairly good ride yourself there for um, sixth place, uh, finishing a minute and 18 down there. Um, yeah, I, I've i never actually been so happy with the sixth place before, but I wasn't expecting a lot. I don't time trial um, much at that distance. So, um, 
Yeah, that was awesome. The course did suit me. It was flat and sort of dead roads out and back. Yeah, and obviously we expected Sarah to do amazingly, which she did. Um, and then the specialised rider, Danielle, um, we didn't really know a lot about her, but that was an amazing ride um, and we soon learned a lot about her. And then, yeah, super happy to see Nicole cross in third. I, th- I suppose it was an expected ride for Sarah. I mean, she's the national time trial champion and we expected her to win. But were there anything, was there any other part of the results where you're like, okay, maybe Jamie Gunning, for instance, isn't quite going as well as um, maybe we thought that she would be coming into this event, given that she's such a quality rider? Yeah, it was very unknown. Like we had no idea who, how everyone's year had panned out and who had been doing bulk case and who had been <laughs> not doing much or doing Zwift. So we were super curious. We wondered if Jamie would be up there. And, yeah, we just had no idea what was going to happen. So it was good to have that event to stick, kick things off to show us sort of where everyone was in their fitness. Yeah, she was fit, but I mean, I, I might be being a bit harsh on that, but I mean, we've got such high expectations for her as a rod because of um, her performances in the past that um, we'd be expecting her, and certainly Sarah was um, asking before the stage what Jamie's time was uh, before she started um, so she could get a gauge on exactly how things were going. Absolutely, and it was a great ride. There's lots of people who fit. Jamie is one of them. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I think this was a really good event to to um tra- for training and motivation coming into nationals so we still have a while to continue to build up to that. Jay Vine uh, of Nero Continental took out the win there 27, 27 seconds ahead of your teammate Tom uh, Riley Fleming and uh, Jesse Coyle was in third there 30 seconds behind Jay Vine's time. I mean, Jay Vine, we, we know what he's going to do later in the tour so maybe this might be a bit spoilers for that but he's really showed that he's got you know, superstar ability here and, you know, probably world tour ability. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone sort of, he went in as a red-hot favourite. Everyone knew he um, knew the power he could put out and what he's been doing on Zwift and stuff over lockdown. Um, so I don't think anyone was too surprised um, at a 20-kilometre, or sorry, 20-minute time trial. It's pretty much his thing. Um, so, yeah, no one was super surprised there. Um, and, then, and, yeah, Riley Fleming has come out and. Yeah, done an awesome ride for second. Um, and, yeah, I think um, Jesse as well has done, done a pretty good ride for third there. Yeah, Riley Fleming's been lighting it up in uh, Queensland recently, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. We've got um, Riley and um, Gussie up here. And I think they've been doing um, all the Queensland road series stuff and, yeah, doing pretty well up here. Um, stage two was the Criterium. It was uh, the figure of eight course they have there, um, a bit south of Mwilimba. They've used it in the past, um, I think just last year actually, in the Tour de Tweed. And it's it's not the easiest, easiest course, but it's not super dangerous um, as long as, because it's got the quite flowing corners. But you were a sprinter coming into this stage. Um, you ended up finishing ninth on the day, but um, your teammate Nicole Frayne took took out the win uh, from the breakaway. Um, what was the plan approaching this stage? Um, we we were open to a breakaway, but we thought we'd follow some moves there, and we weren't sure if that would if a breakaway would stay away. And our plan was to um, yeah go for the final sprint with me as the sprinter. Um, and then yeah, we sort of made decisions on the road, <laughs> and the opportunity came up for Nicole to get into the move with I think it was Danielle, and 
so that determined the rest of the race and then I just decided to yeah I was a bit of a menace in that race trying to interrupt the chase to ensure that the brakes stayed and that we could yeah finish strong in first which we did which was awesome and unexpected. Well, despite your um, presence as a disrupting factor, um, you also were the instigator for um, for Nicole's move, weren't you? Yes. Well, when I saw the move go, I rode up to um, Peter from Rock Salt and asked if she would um, work, put a rider in to bring it back, and then she said she wasn't keen and I saw that um, Ara weren't interested. So, yeah, told Nicole that she had to bridge across and then she went for it and full commit. And, um, yeah, got across and that was the move. Well, so we see the rise of uh, Georgie Whitehouse, road captain as well. Um, <laughs> uh, Tom, uh, we'll go over to the men's now. Um, and uh, you were fifth on that stage there. Um, you got a pretty good view of the sprint from uh, fifth position there. It was, yeah, it, was like, it was a case of another breakaway. And what was the thinking there of um, whether it would be brought back or not? Well, we sort of didn't didn't really know going in because we've raced that crit a couple of times um, at Tour of Tweed, but it's normally sort of the final day and there's GC, everything's like um, getting settled, but then uh, there's like um, time bonus set up for grab and no one wants to um, let anyone go away um, there. So like it's sort of a bit of a different, um, different race this week. Uh, so we went in um, sort of backing me for the sprint, but also pretty um, wary of moves and making sure we had guys in there. Um, we had, I think, five guys and we backed sort of any one of them to have a good crack in the sprint from a move. So, yeah, we put, um, put Kai up in the move that, um, that went away for a while and then, yeah, came back down for a sprint finish and uh, myself and Liam White as well um, were up there in the mix there. You might go through the final lap there because that was the... Um, cause of some controversy um, going through the final lap there. I don't know if you saw this, Tom, but there was a bit of argy-bargy between uh, Nick White and um, one of the ARA riders. Did you see that one? Clear? I actually didn't see that move at all, no. Okay. Um, well, to be honest, I haven't heard too much about that except that um, probably um, shoulder-to-shoulder contact and that was probably okay. That was all fine. But where the real controversy started was between Cam Scott and Jensen Flora, the two big favourites uh, for the stage. I think probably both of them will end up in the World Tour because they're just such phenomenal talents. But certainly Cam Scott is closer there with his pedigree on the track. We saw the bridge lane train, about three, oh, two riders in front of Jensen, coming into the fifth last corner of the, of the stage just before they get to the roundabout for the thing. Um, and there was a bit of bumping and uh, what some have called a hook, what some have called um, a bit of boxing on. Tom, have you, have, you, have you seen this incident? Yeah, I was the rider behind Jensen and Cam uh, in that situation and so I had a pretty good view of it. And, yeah, I wasn't, uh, wasn't the hugest fan of the move in general. I sort of – so I think the missing context from the video – um, that was posted is that Cam, I'm not sure exactly what happened before, but Cam had the wheel of Nick White in the bridge lane train and Jensen was behind. So I'm not entirely sure how that worked out. Um, but coming into that corner, we were in the right-hand gutter and Jensen's made his way up the right-hand side of Cam. And as we're going into the corner, he sort of like turned left. I, would, I wouldn't describe it as 
I'll push out of the way. I'd describe it more as a turning left into Cam's got at quite some speed. And I don't think Cam's the easiest guy to move out the way. And I think you can see in the video that he just goes flying left. So yeah, I sort of had a couple of issues with it. Um, I think my three main points with it really were that I thought it was unnecessary because I thought Cam probably would have let Jensen in onto his lead out train anyway. Um, I thought it was pretty dangerous. I was behind him and I pretty much slammed on the brakes because I thought they were going to crash. Like I was very certain that they were going to crash and it's credit to sort of both of them, but particularly Cam that they held it up and that I don't think you can argue that it didn't impact on the result of the race. So yeah, I think Cam's done an awesome ride to come back from that. Um, and the commissaires made their decision after the race based on the footage they saw. But yeah, I wasn't, wasn't the hugest fan of the move and think it definitely changed the result. Obviously, Cam Scott um, got bumped back to about seventh or eighth position there and come back. Uh, I spoke to him afterwards, though, and he said that he'd used pretty much all his energy to get back up on the wheel for third and then had nothing left for sprint. Uh, Georgie, did you see that incident at all? I didn't see it. I heard about it. Um, but those those last corners are technical and tight and it gets hectic. So, I, yeah, I, I didn't see what happened. But I imagine it was just... A, Everyone excited and eager to um, get the, the win. Um, Tom, maybe you can um, tell us what happened for the rest of that thing then. I mean, it was essentially Bridge Lane coming through off a, off a great lead out after yeah. a lot of fighting with ARA at the front there. Yeah, so it was sort of Bridge Lane led the chase most of the day with um, ARA behind them and then us sort of in third team there. Um, and then in the last couple of laps, it got a bit messy with um, ARA trying to come up and do the lead out and so yeah there was a lot of moving around and people everywhere and then sort of that instance happened so as I think Riley Field on the front followed by Nick and then after that incident Jensen had the wheel and then I sort of lost a fair bit of ground through that incident um, breaking a bit and then sort of spend the next couple of laps chasing um, with Liam White on my wheel um, and then I think Cam's come back onto Liam's wheel um, and kicked around um and yeah they've sort of gone into the final corner nick i think nick first and jensen second or maybe the other way around and yeah jensen's ended up winning it by a fair bit um i think as well it was 36 degrees i think um that day and super hot on course so i think that had a pretty big impact on how much energy everyone had and yeah jensen's pulled off an awesome sprint there at the end regardless of what happened earlier it's not actually a protest you don't call it protest these days you provide information to the commissaires and then they make a decision if they don't make a decision then there's nothing to protest so it was a it was a bit of a bit of a squirrely situation there with the um the commissaires at the end of the race but that was all fine as you mentioned the heat there that was probably hot and in that industrial estate there it's there's no place to really hide from that sun is there um georgie i mean there's next to next to no shade around the course or too much breeze really yeah, it was painfully hot and uh, also I think yet it was the first sort of racing that people have done in, in forever, real racing. So, yeah, navigating the peloton in those corners in that heat was challenging. Probably worth mentioning, how did, how did you, you two guys um, come into this race? What was your, I mean, it's one thing doing the numbers at home on the trainer or in Swift or something like that and another thing, you know, reacting to a race situation. Um, Georgie, how did you come into this um, this uh, series of races? Um, I've been lucky. Well, we've both been lucky enough to um, be able to 
race around Heffron Park in Sydney and that uh, gets a huge field and there's a lot of rubbing elbows and screaming and pushing. So I felt, I felt comfortable in that regard and then fitness was a bit of an unknown for me. I've been um, focusing on the track a little bit and so I wasn't really sure how that would all translate in, into this racing. Um, but in that race I felt, I felt great but obviously we were represented in the break and I was well looked after by my team so I would expect to feel good then. <laughs> And Tom, you've been, you know, producing some really good, really good results um, on the Heffron Park track. Um, you took out the under twenty three um, Criterium title in New South Wales. Yeah, it's sort of been a been a strange build up to this race. I um, I had a fair bit of time either off the bike or not doing much um, through sort of March to July, really, um, and then sort of got back on, and I. It was just riding for fun and I think just being a bit fresher has meant that my sprints come a long way this year and yeah so I've been enjoying doing that yeah started racing sort of when it all started up again a couple of months ago uh, mostly in Sydney at the crits especially Heffron the under 23 crit champs was a bit of a surprise really I was sort of went in not knowing how I was going um, and then yeah I was super happy with that and um, ended up doing a couple more um, races in Sydney and yeah my sprint's sort of been all right but I haven't done lots of intensity other than racing or sort of efforts day so I was still a bit unsure coming into this week. On to day three not stage three day three of the of the racing suite that we had for us and it's the first road race it was 86.6 kilometers for the women um, starting and finishing the entire album it's not the most it's not the hardest course for certain but um it has two little lumps at the end um which were fairly fairly decent climbs and uh gave the climbers a chance to get away um in the end it was one won by ruby rosner gannon of ara pro racing sunshine coast with sarah gigante in second and justine barrow of rock salt in third georgie how did you um see that one play out i definitely thought that ruby was going to be one of the, the major threats of the day. She can climb and she can sprint and those climbs weren't um, super long. And then I thought that Sarah would be up there. Yeah, it kind of played out how I thought it would play out. The only difference was I thought I would be there too. <laughs> Unfortunately, I popped on the, the last climb coming before the finish. There were some interesting tactics from um, ARA in the... Uh... Area Pro Racing Sunshine Coast in the Peloton there. Um, I don't know if you observed this at all, but they appeared to be cordoning Sarah off um, on the climbs from making any significant moves. Yeah, Sarah has been marked every day, like by the entire Peloton. When Sarah drinks, everyone drinks. When Sarah stands up, everyone stands up out of the saddle. So I really feel for her. She's doing so well with that considered. But yeah, definitely. The Arrow girls were marking her and she appeared to be yeah, sort of cornered at one stage coming into the final climbs. But she yeah, maintained composure and was able to get out and then when she could, she opened up and off she went. How does it compare racing against Sarah to racing against um, like Grace Brown or Lucy Kennedy um, in the past who have been, you know, world tour riders riding in the NRS peloton? Sarah is one of the strongest riders but I, in the NRF, she's definitely the strongest rider I've ever seen. And I've never known of a rider that has the whole peloton basically following and marking. And, yeah, her potential is just 
incredible. Yeah, and, and a lovely person to boot as well. So it's hard. Yeah, to, it's she's hard, lovely. <laughs> it's hard to wish ill on on her, isn't it? Because you're like, oh well, you know, I wish I wish there was something I could dislike about her almost because uh, she's so good at everything. But yeah, I know. I on one hand, I feel for her. I'm like, oh, she's getting, you know, this hard treatment from a, from everyone. She's so happy and and so so such a scary rider, but also yeah, so lovely. So it's quite a funny experience to ride with her. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Sarah. Yeah, so Ruby Ruby Rasmussen though sprint um, climbing in exceptionally well at the moment for a sprinter, and she's looking she's looking lean. She's looking um, like she can climb the best, and you know, and still put down that power at the end. Sarah managed to um, sprint as well on that final on that final kick to the line there. Sprinting's not really her deal, and Justin Barrow finished third, so. Sprinting's definitely not Justine's deal, so we're talking about uh, very much who had the legs at the end there. Unfortunately, Josie Talbot, who was with that front group, um, dropped her chain in that final on that final corner and wasn't able to sprint for the win. Though she would have been right up there, you would suggest with Ruby Rosman Gannon. So, yeah, a bit unfortunate there to finish for some of those riders, Georgie. Yeah, it sucks for Josie. Um, sounds like she was in a good position, and she did so well to get over those climbs with the climbers. But I'm sure, yeah, she will see her do more good things the next few days. Well, hopefully. Um, it's good to see a rider of uh, Josie's calibre here. Obviously, she's a phenomenal rider and um, it's good to see her racing alongside the NRS Peloton. Okay, moving on to the men's stage now. And it was a bounce-back win for Cameron Scott. We just talked about his uh, racing incident with Jensen Plough right there. And uh, he took a... A very convincing win in uh, in stay in race three of the men's of the men's event. He posted up with about 30, 40 meters to go, and uh, the ARA uh, Pro Racing Sunshine Coast uh, teammates, uh, the women who just finished, uh, were, were yelling at him, "Keep pedaling, keep pedaling!" Because, I mean, despite the fact he had a massive gap, you know, there's still quite a way to go. A class act on that final stage um, with. Quite a quite a large attack there over that final climb there, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I actually wasn't there the last couple of times, but yeah, he um, he's done a pretty impressive ride um, to be there at the end. I think a lot of the um, the fast men were dropped by that point, um, and yeah, he's one of the fastest on a sprint day. So as soon as he got over those climbs, it was sort of um, his victory to or his race to lose. Yeah, I think I saw the highlights video and. Yeah, he's um, sort of come out of that corner just so much quicker than everyone else and, yeah, won that pretty convincingly, um, which was, yeah, awesome to see after. I felt like he'd been a bit hard done by the day before. Yeah, there was a Lionel Mordet away in a solo break. Lionel Mordet's cycle house um, kind of dipped, uh, jumped away over the top of that climb there, was descending really fast. Cam Scott's ARA Sunshine Coast teammates had to get on the front there and um, really chase things down. I think it was uh, Craig Wiggins and Zach Gilmore there for him and uh, Craig Wiggins in particular is Vegas winter and uh, led Cam into that final climb and sort of, you know, he, he slingshotted his way away from the rest of the peloton and, yeah, took a really good and convincing stage win there. I mean, nothing that we didn't expect from Cam Scott perhaps because, because of his results in the past in the NRS, um, but very impressive nonetheless. Uh, Elliot Schultz of Memel in second, uh, very good results uh, for the young rider there. And Brendan Johnston, Trekkie himself, oh, uh, came in third. 
Um, we're going to talk about Brendan Johnson a bit later, I would say. Tom, do you reckon he's affected racing much at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, he's come here sort of without the full support of a team. He's definitely got a couple of guys around him who are doing a great job. Um, but yeah, nothing compared to sort of the other teams that are here. Um, and yeah, especially, um, I think yesterday he had a huge impact, but every day he's been, he's been doing everything. Um, he's been up there on every stage so far and yeah, just super impressive. Yeah. Uh, as I said, we'll talk more about that later, but, um, it's been a very impressive series of results from, uh, Brendan Johnston jumping on to the fourth stage now. And that was the stage up to the, um, probably the queen stage of the tour. If you have such a thing when there isn't, you know, a, a general classification for time allocations, but it was definitely the highest finish of the tour and the hardest climb to finish the tour and the only summit finish of the tour. Um, and also probably the, the stage with the most overall climbing, though maybe tomorrow's stage will change that, depending on what's the, what exactly is going on in the meeting with, between... Uh, race organisers and the teams at the moment, but we shall get to that later. In the women's event, what a ride. Sarah Gigante, in possibly one of the best rides we've ever seen in the National Road Series, wins by 7 minutes and 51 seconds ahead of Justine (laughs) Barrow and 8 minutes and 35 seconds against Holly Harris, just to... Just to say that Justine Parrow put a lot of time into um, the the remainder of her group, so she did a good, good ride as well, but... Sarah Gigante, I mean, Georgie, do we have words for for this ride? <laughs> we have no words. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, yeah, incredible that she was able to do that and and a real flex and display of her abilities. Tactically, I'm not sure if I would have done that, even if I, I could have, just because we have so many days of racing. Um, but, yeah, amazing and, and inspiring. And cool to see, and she just loves racing so much. So, yeah, that was an awesome result. And, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Um, I don't know either. But um, she, <laughs> she, she got to the end. I was, I was um, lucky enough to be following along for a bit of the race and then be at the, be at the finish at the end. And, you know, she pulled, pulls up into the shade, does her media commitments with Scott McCrory, uh, talks to me um, for my me- for media commitments with me for SBS interviews and stuff like that. We're still waiting for riders to come. <laughs> we're still waiting for riders to come in, and she and she cheers them all over the uh, over the line. She she's just such a positive influence for cycling. I don't even have too much comment on the race other than the fact that she's clearly so much stronger than everyone else especially when there's a climb because of that power to weight ratio that she has i think if she attacked on the flat she would have she'd have a chance of um dropping people if everyone wasn't paying so much attention to her constantly yes yes and i think that she needed to be aggressive and that's what we've seen in every stage because she is so marked and, she, and as a solo rider she really needs to to um, make sure she's not getting attacked by everyone else so she's just Mm. come out <laughs> come out punching but yeah awesome to see and and the girls I missed that stage but from what I heard it was just absolutely brutal and yeah I think we had only 12 women finishing that so such a tough stage and to win it with such a le- dominant lead it's incredible 
Yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning that she did shut down a, a move um, containing all the major teams um, at the start of that stage and then uh, continued to attack around that incredibly hilly loop um, with the steep climbs. And, I mean, I, I don't think we're ever going to quite see a performance like it. Um, if, if you want to go ch- um, check out um, what she had to say after the stage, go check out SBS Cycling Central because that's an interview worth, worth seeing and uh, taking in because, I mean... This is a rider we're going to be seeing for a long time on the World Tour, hopefully. <laughs> so, yeah. On to the men's. And, Tom, uh, can you perhaps describe that um, describe that circuit for us um, just so we get an idea of what it's like? Um, I, again, I actually didn't <laughs> do this stage. Um, I did have a detailed look at the Strava profile and we rode a little bit of it um, in recon before the start of the tour. Um, so I know that it was pretty much up and down the whole way um and yeah i mean i was standing in the feed zone and i felt like i was on bun and yong or somewhere um just every lap just seeing everyone's faces and um yeah how how much climbing there was um it was clearly a super hard stage and then we drove up the final climb and um it was again super hot that day so even in the car i was glad that um (laughs) i hadn't done that one so yeah, and for the men, it was um, it was really about the early breakaway, um, which formed um, with oh gosh, I'm gonna have to remember all the names now. Um, certainly, Ben Van Dam was the last rider caught. Um, we're talking uh, Matt Ross. Um, oh gosh, help me out here, Tom. Um, Tom Benton from Inform. Yep. We had Riley Fleming in there um, for us, uh, and then who else was there? Um, Zach Gilmore from um, ARA, and I think Jesse Coyle was in there for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the um, break of six. Um, it kind of split into three there uh, for a while with um, Tom Benton, um, uh, Ben Van Dam, and Matt Ross um, going off front after you know a bit of non-cooperation uh, between uh, between the breakaway members. I don't know particularly why. I mean, they all seem to have reasons to be there, except for maybe Jesse Coyle. Um, but I was I was sitting behind them, and I didn't see any um, any particular non-cooperation from Jesse. So I wasn't sure exactly what the problem was there. But yeah, anyway, it didn't quite work. And um, maybe that was uh, the difference between them winning and losing in the end, because Ben Van Dam went on to the final climb with with the rest of the group, attacked, had quite a bit of a lead there. And it was only the peloton with an attack of uh, Jay Vine and some Bridgeline guys that swept him up. Uh, Jay Vine kicking clear of um, Sam Jenner there, who was second, um, to take a well, convincing win in the end. He won by 34 seconds up that climb, uh, up the Tomlin climb. And then three Bridgeline guys came in um, down on that 34-second uh, mark. Tom, I mean, what, what, what does this mean in terms of um, where J Vine sits in terms of the climbing hierarchy in a, in Australia. At the moment, um, he's going incredibly well. He showed that in the time trial, and then I think um, that day was a fairly similar effort, sort of power to weight ratio. Um, and he's shown um, in that regard, he's world class, definitely a level above a lot of the rest of the peloton um, here. And yeah, he's. Uh, think the team's done a pretty good ride there as well to uh to bring that back i thought the break would win um that stage but yeah i think a bit of attacking and non-cooperation has probably cost them uh stage win there but yeah jay's yeah done a 
pretty good, pretty good ride up that final climb. And yeah, very impressive. Along with Sarah's interview, another one worth going checking out on the SBS website is Jay's interview because um, that's quite touching how he pays tribute to his wife, uh, Bree there, who has been, you know, working full-time while he's committed full-time to cycling and getting a pro contract there. And I know it speaks to the reality of cycling in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you need to be doing it and taking it really seriously to get anywhere, even in um, Australia, where it's not quite professional when you're doing it on the NRS level. We did hear about that. And it's, yeah, it's very sweet. And it's nice to, yeah, to see the people that also help the athletes. And there's so many people that make it all possible. So I thought that was, yeah, that was really lovely to see. And I think all the girls had a bit of an aww moment. <laughs> I know in our house that's what happened when we heard about that. Oh, good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jay's, uh, I don't know if you guys have had much contact with Jay, but Jay is... He's really, he's a really nice guy, really sweet guy, um, and I don't think I've seen too many riders more more dedicated than Jay and like tunnel vision. The, the guy is seriously, um, seriously committed to being best rider he can be at this stage. He does does as much training as he can. He uh, thinks about what he's doing and he uh, commits to other aspects like social media and and stuff like that. So he's really trying to become you know, the full package in terms of rudder. And hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood and all that, he's getting a, um, a pro Conti contract with Alperson Phoenix um, through the Zwift Academy. So um, apparently he's been doing very well there. So we shall wish him the best of luck there. By the way, you two, have you ever thought about um, doing doing the Zwift Academy at all? Uh, maybe Georgie first? I've thought about it. I'd love to. It's just been hard to fit it in every year something seems to come up I have other priorities another racing that I've been doing but no it's something I definitely love to do I just haven't had the chance at this stage but we had our yeah our teammate Jess um got the, the contract so it's definitely possible yeah Jess no, Jess's story is um really inspiring because she went from being a full-time nurse and then decided oh I'll give this cycling I mean, I mean, she'd been a very good cyclist for a while, but um, she's like, okay, I'll give cycling a crack full-time. And then pretty much immediately she cracks a full-time contract with um, the World Tour there in Canyon, Canyon Shroom. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Tom, is this something you've considered, Doc? Um, no, I did see um, the year I joined the team, actually, Nick White um, had a similar thing, went away to the training camp um, when it was with Dimension Data um, and had an awesome time. And it's such a, such a cool pathway. And, um, such a cool thing that they're doing now. Um, personally, sort of what's per kilo numbers on a trainer in a garage is not my uh, not my idea of fun or even cycling. Mm. Um, so that's absolutely not something I would ever do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's so cool that um, you can get places from that. Um, and yeah, Swift Swift is a cool is an awesome tool, and like so so many people are um, yeah getting getting on it and enjoying cycling that way but yeah not not for me it just opens up the pathways doesn't it so um i'm always interested interested to see the riders who come through there um i think particularly in the women's peloton it led to some riders who were very good at riding in in garages as you as you as you said tom um and not so good at riding on the road which was the complaint with some of the early riders who came through there i don't think so with jess pratt jess pratt is of course great on the road um so yeah and of course we're supporting our aussie friends there anyway we've, we've still got two stages to go guys so let's, <laughs> let's get through them and yes. uh, probably your favorite stage coming up right now georgie 
Gina Ricardo won the stage from the break after a group of three went away after some, you know, again, some more serious aggression from Sarah Giganto. Um, but <laughs> it, it happened that um, Gina Ricardo, Samantha DeRisha and Brie Wilson managed to escape there and uh, right away for the stage win. There was some more stuff going on uh, later in the stage, but we'll uh, talk about the result first. Um, Georgie, I must be super uh, happy for your uh, friend, Gina, to win there. Yes, it was absolutely my favourite stage. I was so good to see Gina with that opportunity and she's she's so hard in this team um, for, for so years. She's, one of, she's our longest standing member, actually, and um, to see her on the top step, yeah, so good. And she was, to, for that day, she was actually supporting us getting into those moves um, and then for it to stay away. It was perfect. I couldn't be more happy and couldn't have gone to a more deserving rider. Yeah, as you as said, she's been around the NRS scene, uh, been around the you know New South Wales scene for quite a while now and putting in the effort. <laughs> she came out here and uh, took the stage win and you couldn't be too happy for her, I think. Um, she was... That that move that move at the end there. Um, I was just watching him back today, and um, Samantha Dorita kind of comes um, comes up and gives herself a bit of a run at the other two, um, Brie Wilson and uh, Ricardo. And I think both of them kind of spot it because <laughs> Sam was being a bit obvious there. Um, but they all start sprinting at the same time. Gina latches onto Brie Wilson's wheel first, then she follows Sam's wheel, and then comes around her in like the last ten meters of that and manages to take the, the win on the line and probably the closest finished uh, we've had this uh, whole tour. Yes, Gina said she was feeling quite tired, so she wanted to, to leave it as late as possible. And um, we'd ridden through the finish and sort of planned out what we would do if it was a bunch finish, so she knew that the end and, uh, yeah, play the cards right. It was very smart, managed to come across him first. Um, there was a bit of late, I don't know if controversy is the right word, but anyway, it was an incident um, where the men's break was approaching the back of the women's peloton there and the women's peloton uh, was directed to pull over and the race neutralised for the women while the men passed. Um, it was on a busy dual carriageway and there was you know, significant traffic um, passing the peloton. But what was your feeling from within the women's? What was your opinion of that moment? It was, I was quite confused at first and I'd just made the selection over the last big climb um, and I'd really buried myself. So there was a bit of disappointment initially, wondering if that had been for nothing. Uh, and at the same time, of course, safety comes first and, and it was super hot. So we, we got to have a cold drink of water and stay safe. So I support the decision, um, even though I think, yeah, it, it might have changed how things played out. Yeah. Do you, do you think it would have actually um, changed the uh, the winner of the race? Because um, those three riders had a fairly significant out, um, break at that stage. I think they were about three minutes up at, at that stage with about 15 k's to go. I don't think it would have changed the, the first, second and third position. No, I think that would have been the same either way okay but um you know so you'd put in significant effort to be right up there with the climbers when it went over the when it went over those climbs and yeah i mean it feels it feels a bit wasted to have that neutralized and you guys brought back to the main peloton for that yeah i think it could have changed that the 
position from fourth onwards just because there was sort of a split along those final hills. But I'm not too sure. We won't know. Well, it's all hypotheticals, isn't it? So. Yeah. Um, Tom, what was what was your um, view of that? I, you, you were working very hard for Liam White in that stage. Um, uh, what was your position on that that specific incident there? To be honest, I didn't have any idea what was happening until we came around that corner at the end. Um, and it seemed but we saw sort of the women's peloton in that little car park area and I didn't really know what was going on. I hadn't heard anything over the radio. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really, didn't really know what had happened at the time and definitely, I mean, didn't affect our race. Sort of what wasn't sure at the time and, yeah, can't really say how it's impacted um, the women's race at all. It was a very tricky situation for the commissaires. I was in one of the com- commissaires' cars for that in the women's peloton, and there was a lot of, okay, what do we do right now? Um, okay, we'll try and find a spot for them to pull over and um, and do it like that because we're on a busy road. So while it wasn't ideal, I think they made a decision that was in the best interest of the majority of the riders, which, you know, it, it, there's no easy decisions in that sort of circumstance maybe they could have made better timing um, arrangements at the start of the race to have the women start like pretty much immediately after the men or something like that. But it was, yeah, one of those situations. Anyway, so Jim took the win. Uh, Georgie photobombed her interview. Uh, <laughs> for, yeah. for, for what was a very good photo. So I'm happy that you did, Georgie. That was, that was good fun. <laughs> All good. Um, Tom, on to the men's race now. And... I think we saw an entertaining race, certainly. Uh, a nine-man uh, break went up the road, nine men all of quality there. We had uh, the likes of Cam Scott, Jay Vine. Gosh, you're going to have to help me out with some of the other names here. Um, um, so we had Will Hodges um, in there. Sam Jenner, former under-23 nas- yeah. uh, under national champion. Oh, anyway, I, I feel that I'm going to be missing missing out several riders, but certainly... There were nine riders of quality. Um, those four that we mentioned already were the major riders. Though they were riders who've won big in the past. What was the feeling from the peloton once they went away? It's been an interesting week tactically um, overall. I think because we've never done an event like this with individual days and no GC, um, and it's like in terms of NRS points and things, it's come in so open. I mean, we've just had the Melbourne to Warrnambool um, for points, so. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting in that regard. We sort of saw that move go and thought the Bridge Lane might not be super happy with that and might be interested in bringing it back. And they sort of did. They they were on the front, but it was sort of a false tempo. Um, and it seemed like that move would be um, the winning move. And, I mean, uh, like Oliver's was pretty happy with Will Hodges there. I mean, it's the longest race of the tour. It was pretty hilly. Um, and he's won the Grafton in the past. Um, he likes the long, longer days and he's got a quick sprint finish and he can get over some hills. So we were happy with it. Yeah, it was a quality group. Okay, um, enter, enter Trekkie at this point. Yeah, so I think it was um, sort of at the beginning of the third lap um, when Bridge Lane had sort of been on the front but not fully chasing. Um, and Trekkie started sort of riding and attacking. Um, and just over the course of sort of five or six attacks and keeping riding um, on past the attacks, I think, I think we got a time check just before he started attacking of four minutes or so. 
And then we went over the Baker's Road climb, came out the bottom and the time check was a minute or something. And so over the course of, I don't know, five or 10 kilometers, I came down significantly. Um, and that split up the peloton a lot. So I think there were probably only 20, 20 or 30 riders that got over that and then the nine in front. And so, yeah, it sort of looked like um, I was in that main uh, front peloton group um, and it looked like we'd get across and that would sort of be the peloton after that. And then in the end, we did we did get across and we sort of regrouped and then another group came, the group that got dropped came from behind. Um, we all joined up and it sort of ended up with a reduced bunch again, sort of coming into the last lap, I think. Yeah, and sort of, I mean, our plan that day, we thought it might be a sprint day and we had a couple of options depending on how hard it was, sort of. If it was a slightly easier day, um, I'd have a sprint against sort of the Cam Scots and um, Jensen Plarats kind of thing. Um, if it was a bit harder, we'd sort of back wheel in and if it was super hard and selective, we'd back uh, Angus Lyons in. Yeah, in the end, sort of coming to the final lap, Liam White had dropped his chain before and sort of disappeared we hadn't seen him for a while and then he came back um, when that other group rejoined and a move went as he sort of came back on and we were like oh whitey this is on you we're all pretty cooked at the moment um and so yeah he's gone with that move and it was a pretty funny moment in the race he got on the radio and just all we could hear sort of crackling down the radio was this is not good <laughs> um, <laughs> so at that point, he definitely didn't back himself in the move but i think sort of almost because of the jam chain and sort of getting a ride back on not following heaps of moves through there. It actually ended up saving a bit. And yeah, he came good in the final. Yeah, it was it was funny actually. I was talking to Liam uh, after the stage and he said he got dropped uh, constantly uh, throughout the first two laps. Um, then the, that jam chain and he got held back on by, uh, I think it was Kai, Kai Chapman and um, Angus. I think he said it helped him out as well there. And then, you know, just happened to follow the right move um, and and go over the front. Um, and then he's sprinting. There's a bit of funny business in the in the final kilometres. Um, they, they said that um, it was, so it was Liam, um, Trekkie and Carter Turnbull of Informed Racing working and uh, Sam Hill and I can't exactly remember who the other rider was, but they were sitting on and basically pretty angry at those guys, obviously, and <laughs> they're more happy. And I spoke to Trekkie afterwards. He was happy that Liam took the win rather than one of those one of those two guys. So I think that's the sort of Liam stage, though. He loves it hard and with a bit of a kick at the end because that's, that's him down to a team. Yeah, absolutely. That's sort of um, the team we've brought here is a bunch of guys that um, most days actually, they've all sort of been coming back in the first couple of hours saying, how bad their legs are, and then um, you go and have a chat to them towards the end. Like, yeah, I'm starting to come good. Um, so yeah, I mean that was a great day for the team on paper, and um, obviously turned out to be a great day. Um, and yeah, Liam's that's yeah that's what he loves, just riding hard all day and um, sort of a reduced group finish. He's he's pretty quick, so yeah, he's um, taken that opportunity with both hands and yeah, taking a win for the team, which we're all super happy about, obviously. Yeah, I've got even more stories about Liam, but we can't, we've got no time for them now. Um, we've got to move on to the next stage. And uh, Georgie, stage six, that was today, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> it was. <laughs> stage or race six. Um, and 
It was around a similar course. I mean, it was um, a very similar course to what we saw yesterday. Certainly um, elements of that course were reused, but we went all the way into the amusingly named town of Mubal um, and had like a an extra climb uh, at, the back, uh, at the back of that stage and then a sharp descent into the finish, which was flat. Um, we saw a breakaway of Breed Wilson and Emily Watts, um, who's unfortunately left the race. We won't be seeing her race anymore for this week off the front. And then, and then you know, the Sarah Gigante effect, she decided to attack and bring, <laughs> bring everything back together. Eventually it happened that everything got back together, Rock Salt attacked, and Neve Bradbury um, took the win um, Largely on the basis of Rock Salt having four riders there and nobody else having any teammates there. But um, Nick Bradbury, regardless, she rode to a two-minute victory um, after attacking with, tel- with 12 kilometres to go. So she put some serious time in there um, to Peloton, regardless of how hard they were chasing. Yeah, I, I was excited to see Neve up there. She she climbed really well to be there. It was super hard to, just to be in that select group was... Uh, an accomplishment in and of itself and then to break away um, and win. That's, yeah, super strong ride. Yeah, she was fifth up um, Tomlin even. So I, I was very impressed by that ride in particular. And then she backs it up here with um, a solo victory. So she's um, clearly got some form. Um, she said after that race, though, that um, <laughs> she was on the front of the peloton and one of her rock salt teammates just kind of let let her wheel go nobody chased her she wasn't even doing that much in terms of watts and then she was like okay let's go so yeah i think it's quite a different style of racing because it's not a tour and there's no gc i it's kind of yeah it's changed the way that we race and i think before people would be more concerned about breakaways and time gaps and also teams would probably be more used to working together so there's a bit of confusion sometimes in the peloton and disorganization and then also yeah, less concern without the yellow jersey in the picture. Um, I will say that there were some traffic incidents in the women's race. We're not going to go into it deeply here, um, but it's something I'm keeping an eye on for the future. Um, in particular, Sarah Gigante's attack, she ran into the back of uh, a bunch of public cars when she was, you know, free of... Um, she'd actually managed to finally um, dislodge Ruby Rose McGannon, who'd been kind of stalking her wheel for a while. <laughs> She was, she was free and uh, heading on the way up, but um, she got stopped by some public traffic. So that did affect the outcome of the race. Hopefully I don't have to delve into this further, but something I'm definitely keeping an eye on for the future. Tom, in the men's race, we were treated to quite a display on that first lap in particular. That was a real fight to get in the breakaway there. And um, eventually uh, an elite group of um, six formed up there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, today was a super hard day, especially backing up after yesterday um, and the start as well. I think it was four kilometres to the base of the first climb um, and it just exploded on the first climb. Um, we went up there super quick. Um, I got shelled over the top and a group got away there. I think ARA missed that move. And so the next sort of valley section um, they committed a fair few guys to bringing that one back and they brought that back. And then as they brought that back, sort of the base of the next climb, turning onto the highway and over that climb, uh, um, I think that's when the breakaway went. And I think, so we had Angus Lyons in there and then uh, the two bridge lane riders of Dinham and Metcalf. 
Um, and then Matt Ross from Cycle House, Miles Stewart, I think, from Nero. And was there another as well? Do you have Ben Metcalf and Reese Robertson? Yep, Reese as well. Um, yep. I've forgotten that. Yeah, so they got away there and sort of the gap went out. They they got away and I think um, everyone was pretty cooked over that climb. So the gap went out a little bit straight away. Um, and then ARA um, put a few guys on the front to chase, um, having missed that one. And sort of the next lap and a half um, was pretty cruisy with, in the peloton at least. I'm sure they were working hard on the front. Um, sort of bring it down. But um, I think the gap went out to a bit over four minutes through there. And then coming into the finish, it was whittled down a bit. But, yeah, the group stayed away. And, yeah, I think the Bridge Lane boys um, had a crack of dropping the others over the climbs coming back into town. Um, but they've stayed stayed pretty much together. Um, and Gus has, yeah, taken out the sprint there, which is awesome to see. Yeah, it was, it was whittled down more than a bit, I think we'll find. It was uh, 14 seconds at the end um, <laughs> between the peloton and the, and, the, uh, and the leaders in the end. But, yeah, Angus Lyons... Hits out from that um, breakaway group and wins it ahead of Matt Dinham of uh, Bridge Lane and Matt Ross of Cycle House. Matt Ross, of course, a big favourite of the podcast because uh, of his um, hair and moustache combo that he used to rock um, back in the Australian summer of cycling. So we're at this stage now where um, Oliver's has taken two wins in a row. What's the feeling like within the team, Tom? Yeah, awesome. I mean, we sort of came in. I don't think anyone knew how any, everyone was going. Um, and yeah, we sort of rode aggressively, made sure we were represented and everything um, in the first couple of days. And it sort of didn't pay off the way we wanted it to um, for the first three stages. And then we sort of just commit, like doubled down. We knew we were sort of doing the right thing and a result would come at some point if we kept doing it. Yeah, and the last two days have just been awesome reward for sort of everyone committing um, to the plan. and like fully committing to themselves and yeah so morale team is super high and yeah we're just pretty stoked i think to be racing and winning again and yeah good feeling georgie what's the feeling like around the entire tour at the moment i mean nine one day races is a very different dynamic from a normal tour a because we haven't we haven't seen anything this long ever in the nrs and (laughs) Uh, B, you know, it's it's a bunch of one-day races. It doesn't have the normal dynamic of, you know, a GC leader, a pecking order that we'd normally see. Yeah, it's it's actually so different. And we, I guess every day we're still getting our heads around it. And it's been cool to see how the teams have slowly um, started changing tactics, I guess, and responding to this new format. Um, I really like the, the nine days. I think it's tiring, but it's also... If something goes wrong, you're like, oh, it's all good. We've got tomorrow and you get to just keep practising. And, yeah, it's the, the mood is just awesome. I think everyone's so grateful to be here and be racing, just seeing my teammates and all the training all year without having any racing has been hard. So to have to be able to finally race, it's so good. Yeah, I think that's uh, very much a feeling throughout the peloton. Um and for myself, I'm happy to be roadside and watching you guys race. It's um, it's a great feeling. Tom, um, there's been some talk, well, both women's and men's, about uh, reducing the, the racing length um, over the next days. Um, obviously, today, day six, was 
shortened uh, by a lap for each the men each of the men's and the women's races. What are what what's the feelings on uh, on that? Yeah, we're sort of um, not super happy with that. We sort of, I mean, we just we knew the the stages um, sort of a long way out, and so tried to prep as well as we could for them. And yeah, I mean, it's it has been hot and it has been hard racing, um, but we sort of knew that Northern New South Wales in December is going to be hot. And um, yeah, we've all prepared well for it and have been loving the racing. Um, and so, yeah, keen to do as much of it as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the race organizer's decision and yeah, we'll, we'll race however they are, however they, however long they make the stages. Yeah. They, um, initially reduced um, all of the remaining racing, but we shall see what the outcome of the team managers and the National Road Series um, meeting is tonight and perhaps who knows what the outcome's going to be there. Maybe racing's going to get a bit reinstated to that longer format. Georgie, I, I, I suppose you'd be hoping for it to be a bit less climbing, <laughs> a bit less climbing for the following, following stages um, around that uh, Lamble loop, which is particularly brutal. I proposed the idea of a car park criterium on Friday, <laughs> which apparently didn't go down too well. But um, yeah, no, I, for me personally, shorter, flatter courses I would prefer. But of course, I know that I can understand and appreciate that everyone or the majority would like long, hard racing. And so I'm just happy to be on the start line and whatever we do, I'm yeah pretty pumped. But yeah, I would like a few flat. I would have preferred a few flat stages, but it's also been cool to to showcase our our climbers. Well, I was planning to do a preview of the remaining three stages, but we've got incredibly long already. So I'll let you guys um, get away, uh, Tom, to eat dinner, and uh, Georgie to prepare for tomorrow's stage. And thanks for being being with us and uh, discussing the racing, Georgie. Um, best of luck for. Uh, getting to uh, contest a sprint, oh, I'd love to see you win, uh, put sorry, your arms up in the air for a sprint win. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much. And uh, Tom, maybe you can uh, continue the Oliver's um, run of success. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks for having us. Not a problem. You can follow along with the racing um, on the hashtag, hashtag uh, NRS20 uh, on Twitter. That's probably the best way to find us. Apart from that, Instagram is your friend as well. Um, we're doing a lot of good stuff. Georgie in particular has a great account that uh, is very much worth follow. And, um, yeah, you can find out all the information there. Okay, we'll see you around some other time. Cheers.